Tonight I'll be preaching from the book of Matthew, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18. And I'll read verse 1 down to verse number 6, even though emphasis will be tonight on verses 5 and 6. But Matthew chapter 18, verse number 1, the Bible says, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted, and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child, in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your wonderful, amazing, and matchless grace. We thank you for your demonstration of love towards us when you sent your son to this earth to die on Calvary's cross. Lord, we are ever mindful of this great salvation, and there's no way that we can repay you, but I pray that we would serve you with our lives and love you with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. I pray tonight as your word goes forth that you would use it in a special way to speak to hearts and to challenge and to motivate, to comfort and encourage whatever the need might be, that it will be met the preaching of your word and that we would apply it to our lives. I pray that you'd give me the words you'll have me to say, cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your precious Holy Spirit. Take full control, have your divine way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. Before beginning or participating in any game, it is essential to know the rules. Knowing the rules brings order and a clear expectation as to how the game will be conducted and how the winner will be determined. Simply put, a game without rules makes no sense because there exists no guidelines by which each player is expected to conduct themselves, and this really makes competing useless. When you think about rules and you think about requirements, it doesn't take long to come to the conclusion that requirements and rules bring order. Requirements create expectations of each other. And in doing so, they allow for proper outcomes to be determined by the actions in not only a game, but in really any circumstance and in life in general. Imagine, for instance, a game of basketball where the shooter randomly determines the number of points he or she is going to receive after the shot is made. Or decisions are made arbitrarily regarding whose turn it's going to be to have the ball. 
It would simply not only be chaos and confusion, but utterly meaningless. My friend, when it comes to God's kingdom, there are requirements that govern how it functions. We're living in a world where it has become commonplace. It has become trendy, to use another word, to make up your own rules as you go along. Whatever path you choose, somehow, miraculously, it will get you to the right destination. Or somehow, by doing things one's own way, he or she will please God. My friend, I must tell you the truth tonight. It simply does not work that way. Jesus, in his time here and ministering on earth for three and a half years, spoke much about how God's kingdom operates. He was very direct. And Jesus, in speaking about the functioning, the requirements of God's kingdom, he did not water down his message. He did not sugarcoat God's requirements. And as you and I, who are engaged in what we call ministry, what we call ministering to others by way of building the kingdom of God, we must ensure that we uphold and live by God's requirements and not our own. I began this series several weeks ago entitled A Ministry to Pattern. And if we're going to effectively minister to people, if we're going to effectively engage in what will count for time and for eternity, my friend, we must do it God's way. Amen? I've entitled this message in Matthew chapter 18, Kingdom Protocols. I think the, 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 the name and the word should resonate with us because we have been hearing, of course, during the period of this pandemic, this word, protocols. I mean, it has become a watchword. It has become a household word. And we understand by it that it means that there are a number of requirements that we must abide by. But God has some kingdom protocols. And we've seen, first of all, in verses uh, 1 to 3, there's a, there are some requirements for entry. And we examined this in detail. I won't take a lot of time to go over it, but suffice it to say that God's requirement for entry into his kingdom, my friend, is not good works. It is conversion. You must be born again. Amen? So as it says in verse number three, verily or truly, I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. My friend, that is plain language. That's plain speech. God doesn't have an open door policy regarding entering into his kingdom. He has a, he has a policy where whosoever will may come, but he or she, man, woman, boy or girl, must be converted, must be born again by the Spirit of God by placing one's faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of his sins. Conversion. That's the requirement for entry. We saw, secondly, the requirements for elevation. 
Once one has fulfilled the requirement for entry into God's kingdom, the requirements that God has put in place in order for you to be promoted, in order for you to be elevated, in order for you to be exalted in God's kingdom. Look at what the Bible says in verse number four. Whosoever therefore shall what? Humble himself as little child. The same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So what's the requirement for elevation? Humility. God makes things very simple, doesn't he? Not complicated. Not a long set of rules. God says, if you want to be elevated in my kingdom, it requires an attitude of humility. Tonight, I want us to look at the final aspect in this text. The requirements for entry. The requirements for elevation. But I want you to jot this down and notice that we are required to embrace, or you can also put there, we are required to enforce. You see, my friend, God has put these protocols, these regulations, these requirements in place, and God expects his kingdom servants to live by them and to implement them in our daily lives. Amen? This is so very simple. I want you to notice with me in verse number 5 that compliance is expected. It's Jesus speaking says, and whoso receiveth one such little child in my name receiveth me. You see, Jesus is speaking here and he's saying to us, we are not expected to do our own thing. These regulations, requirements that he has specified, they should be adhered to. And here's what we must understand. To accept someone who adheres to the requirements of God is really the same as accepting God himself. You see, for a person who is converted by faith, for one who accepts Jesus in humility, we are required to accept that person on behalf of Jesus Christ. Think of this scenario. An owner puts, or owner of a team, puts or establishes an entrance fee. And he puts you in charge and says the entrance fee is $25. And you're required to collect the receipts at the gate to let in those who would come up with the fee of $25. Let's say your friend comes and you decide. I know the owner said $25, but you're my friend. You pay me $10. That, while it might seem like a good deed, is rejecting the will of the owner. That's stepping into a realm where you simply are not eligible to step. Someone comes who you may not like. They have their $25 and you don't let them in because you don't really feel like they should enjoy the benefits. You are representing, you are rather not representing the will of the person 
who is in charge. What am I getting at here tonight? My friend, you and I, in service here on earth by way of ministry, we are not owners. We are representatives of an owner. Amen? And here's what I'm finding out about being a representative, about being an ambassador. It is not easy. Amen? People can turn on you and will turn on you for applying the rules of the kingdom. But I'm here to say tonight that compliance is expected when it comes to operating in God's kingdom. You see, simply put, you and I don't have the leverage to operate and to create our own rules. We're living by God's rules, God's kingdom, his agenda, his guidelines, and God expects us, man, woman, boy, or girl, to abide by his rules. Amen? And so understand with me here tonight that Jesus is saying to us, uh, compliance is expected. Whoso receives one, such little child, receiveth me. So imagine that if Jesus were to walk through this door by us applying his rules, we are receiving him. To reject his rules would be rejecting him. And so Jesus is speaking here, expects us to, to live by these guidelines regarding his kingdom. But notice, secondly, and finally here tonight, that it's not as simple as, well, I can decide not to comply, which we have been given a free will. Understand and jot this down with me, that there are consequences for excluding. In other words, there are consequences for deciding to go our own way. Notice what Jesus says in verse number six. He says, but whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Here's what Jesus is saying. I understand that I have regulations in place. I understand that I have requirements in place. I understand that I've given man a free will to make choices. God doesn't twist our arms to do what he's called us to do. But he's saying when it comes to choosing not to live by his requirements and his standard, there are consequences for doing so. Here's what we must all understand, my friend, that God is a holy God. Amen? I want you to turn in me, with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. And I want you to notice a very sobering passage. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 13. The Bible says, and this is Peter speaking here, after speaking of the greatness of salvation that we have received. Look at verse number 4. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that faded not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. He says in verse number 13, Wherefore, or as a result, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober 
and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, or that's in manner of living, because as it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Well, let me pause here for a minute. God is saying, I expect my people, my children, those who have been saved by the grace of God, to live a holy life because the pastor is holy? No. He says, be holy as what? I am holy. Now, I want to say this, and I'll leave you with this. And let me mention that a pastor, a leader, when it comes to spiritual things, ought to lead by example. Amen? Let the church say amen. Amen to that. We believe firmly in leading by example. That's the only kind of leadership that is really going to be effective, especially when it comes to the work of God. But listen, it applies practically to any aspect of leadership. But here's something that I fear, that I'm observing and noticing when it comes to this thing called ministry and the work of God and Christianity, that we must be careful of coming to false notions that the requirements for holiness are selective. Here's what we must come to grips with. When it comes to this great gift of salvation, my friend, the requirements of holiness don't only apply to the pastor. The requirements of holiness don't only apply to leaders. The requirements for holiness don't only apply to a person who's in a position of authority. God himself is saying to all his children, be ye holy for I am holy. You with me? A leader is not the standard. A pastor is not the standard. Our standard is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not just speaking about this church. I'm speaking in general. I, I observed through Christian, uh, Christian behavior and, and, and general expectations that, that there is a particular expectation for a leader, but a completely different one for everyone else. My friend, that is not biblical. No, I do agree, biblically speaking, that a leader will receive a greater judgment or greater condemnation if he or she does not lead by example because the truth of the matter is that is hypocritical and James speaks to that. But look at verse number 17. Right after the verse that we read in verse number 16, this I want you to get this if you get nothing else. And if ye call on the Father... Look at this. Who, without what? Respect of persons, judgeth according to every man's work. Past the time of your sojourning here in fear. 
what, what, is, what is Peter saying? He's saying when it comes to God's judgment, my friend, when we stand before God, God is not going to say, oh, you were a pastor, so you got one judgment. Oh, you were a Sunday school teacher, you got another judgment. You were a choir member, you got another judgment. He's going to listen. Say, he says, listen, you all receive this great gift of salvation, and you're going to receive the same level of judgment. So let me break this down a little further. I'll maybe make it personal. Every member of this church expects the pastor, and you should, to be faithful to church. Let the church say, well, my friend, if the pastor ought to be faithful to church, so should you. If the pastor ought to be punctual to church, so should you. If the pastor ought to tithe, so should you. If the pastor ought not to curse and swear, so should you. You with me? There can't be one standard for a pastor and one standard for everybody else. We are all supposed to be serving and loving the same God. After all, we receive the same salvation. The pastor ought to be respectful. Amen? So should you. The pastor ought to be kind. So should you. The pastor ought to be friendly. So should you. The pastor ought to read his Bible. So should you. The pastor ought to pray. So should you. The pastor ought to be accountable. Amen? So should you. I mean, imagine if I just got up one day and said, you know what? I ain't going down there today. I ain't even telling them anything. I'm going jaunting on my long trip and I, and I don't tell anybody anything. Would that be a problem? Amen? My friend, that's how Christianity works. You see that we have a different, we have a different way of doing this? You with me? I know you're getting quiet on me. But listen, this is Bible. It's Bible. We are a part of the same kingdom building effort. And we should be following the same rules, the same guidelines. I understand that we won't be at the same place spiritually. They're babes in Christ. There are different levels of growth. That's understood. But the reason why a leader ought to lead by example is so that others follow the same what? Example. That's the reason. Not because there is a different expectation for one and another. And that is why at Child Baptist Church, we place a strong emphasis on our leaders leading by example. Why? Because we want others who are looking at these leaders to do the same thing in accordance with the word of God. Jesus speaking about his kingdom says, I got kingdom protocols. The requirements for entry. Conversion. We don't do our own thing. We don't work our way into this heaven. No, it does not work that way. Faith in Jesus Christ brings about a supernatural change. He says we got requirements for elevation. God says you want to move up in my kingdom? 
you got to be humble. You got to demonstrate a humility towards God. Humility towards others. Humility towards self. And he says, I don't have these requirements just for just having them. They are my kingdom guidelines. And uh, we are required to live by them. We are required to, for want of a better word, enforce, not militant, but to encourage others to live by God's guidelines. And you know what? When we live by God's guidelines, we are the beneficiaries. Amen? God is a loving God. And he wants to bless us. And he will do so in accordance with his expectations. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Let's engage. Let's join hands and hearts in continuing to build this kingdom for his honor and for his glory. And watch God do great things among us.